Chicago is scrambling to meet the needs of newly arrived migrants. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Imagine for just a moment what it might be like to take a bus for over 20 hours to an unfamiliar place where you don't know anyone. And then you arrive, perhaps in the middle of the night, and you realize you have no place to stay, no one to turn to, and you're unsure of what tomorrow holds. This is the experience of countless migrants recently bused from the southern border to Chicago. Many have ended up sleeping at O'Hare Airport or in makeshift shelters at police stations without access to showers or even enough food. And conditions may only get worse. Texas Governor Greg Abbott continues to send more migrants crossing into the state to sanctuary cities like Chicago. And the city is struggling to meet their needs once they arrive. To hear more, we are talking to Elvia Malagon, a Chicago Sun-Times reporter covering social justice, immigration, and income inequality. And Michael Puente, a WBEZ reporter covering northwest Indiana, Chicago's southeast side, and south suburbs. Elvia, even before migrants arrive in Chicago, many have already trekked through much of South and Central America. So can you just share more about what they've experienced? Yeah, we know that their journey is taking months and weeks just to even reach the U.S. southern border. And once they reached Texas, um, initially they were being bused here. It sounds like lately um, organizations in Texas are paying for plane tickets for these individuals to arrive here, which is why um, so many people are seeing them at O'Hare. Yeah. Well, in an open letter to Texas Governor Abbott this week, Mayor Lightfoot said that some migrants who bust uh, from uh, Chicago, they were women in active labor or, or victims of sexual assault. What kind of medical care are migrants receiving when they get to the city? I think that's one of the things that many people have questions about um, because we're hearing some things about um, folks that are ending up at these makeshift shelters that um, there are some medical issues that are coming up and Basically, there's a scramble to try to give them um, care. I talked to one person who told me that there was a family that was staying at one of these police stations last week, and they appeared to have either lice or bed bugs. And um, there wasn't really a plan to get them medical treatment. So essentially, they had to be um, taken to a shelter and sequestered there while they got treatment. Wow. Well, before I get Mike to dig in there with the... Um Police stations, uh, um, give us a, a update here. How many migrants have arrived in recent weeks, Elvia? Well, we know right now we're in the middle of a surge. Um, since August, there's been more than 8,000. And um, I think we know that we're getting more and more um, and possibly could be getting more in the coming weeks. So, Mike, I know you spent uh, time with migrant families at one of the makeshift shelters inside a Chicago mm -hmm. police station. Why are they being sent there in the first place? Well, the, there used to be an option to send them to hospitals, but the city was told that was no longer an option. The hospital, there's their hospital providers were saying we can't take any more in. So right now, the police station is their only place to take them because there's just not enough shelters. Right now, there's a 30-day stay when a migrant family gets sent to the shelters. They can only stay there for about 30 days but some are actually staying longer. So mm. the city's trying to identify places and rehab some places. If there's abandoned buildings or shoot schools that are shut down, um, some of these facilities just may not be able to house shelter because you got to have um, showers, places to eat, places, I guess, to make food mm -hmm. and 
uh, places to, uh, for children to have fun a little bit. So they're they're trying to develop these locations, but they just cannot develop them enough. And they don't really have that much money to do this. Yeah. Well, give us a visual, if you will. What did the setup look like? You know, Sasha, it's different for each police station. Okay. I went to one on the south side of Chicago um, near South Shore. And, you know, you just walk in to the vestibule and they're right there. And it, you know, like right by the doors, right there by the door. And this was on a very chilly day last week, too, when I went there. So all that cold air is rushing through. They're laying on the floor. They have some blankets. They do have their pizza boxes there. Um, is and there's some coffee cups. Maybe there. I mean, there's no way to keep some of those pizzas warm, but they're probably that's probably their their meal for the day. And it's just a, a really tough situation. They, you know, they, I think they're trying to make the best of it. Now, there's another one that I went to in South Chicago on 103rd Street, where at least there you go into the vestibule and there's a little sort of uh, cubby hole right off to the side where it gives them a little bit more privacy. Okay. Um, still, it's not the best situation. They don't have mattresses. They have some blankets, blankets, some sleeping bags. And when I was there, you did see some of the police officers who they didn't want to talk to me, but visually I could see them mm. taking stuff to them, food, blankets, oh, diapers. So they were being helpful. It, in some locations. Okay. Now, some of the migrants have told me it's not, not like that everywhere. Some places they're kind of hands off. They're not very nice. And some, it, I guess it just it, varies. It, it varies. What about what you saw, Elvia? Was that the same message you got from, from migrant families? Yeah. All the, the migrant families that I spoke to, um, they were very grateful. As little as they have, um, some of them didn't even have the blankets on the floor. Some of them were just sleeping on the floor. Um, just but the bare floor. Just the bare floor, no coats at all, um, anything like that. But yet they were still very grateful that they were in a warm place, somewhat warm place, and that they did have a shelter and they were optimistic that they would get help. Um, the places I went to, they did mention um, some of the officers have bought them hamburgers at other places. It's yeah. um, this coordinated um, group of Good Samaritans kind of in line of mutual aid work that is bringing them food, um, blankets, coats, things like that. Right. There's a quote here from John Cananzaro, who's the, the president of the Chicago Fraternal Order of Police. He says, it's such a delicate balance to try and explain to people this is a safety and health issue a humanitarian issue. This isn't an anti-migrant stance one way or the other. We are just not equipped to do this. How long does the city expect migrants to stay at police stations, Mike? You know, I think it's a situation where um, they're trying to rectify it as quick as possible. When, when they're, 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 tr they're trying to look for money from FEMA, from the state, from, from the city to allocate it. And right now they're right now they're getting about seventy five to one hundred twenty five new arrivals every day. Now after May eleventh, when this uh, COVID emergency is lifted in the, the national in the United States, that's expected to go up to about forty seven hundred new arrivals to Chicago every day. Yeah. So the situation is likely to get worse. Yeah, that's when Title forty two is, right. is set to uh, to end. That's the the pandemic era policy right. that was allowing uh, immigration authorities to, to rapidly turn migrants away without any chance for, for asylum. Right. But, uh, without that, of course, the, the number is going to for sure go yes. up. Uh, Elvia, do, do city officials have the migrants on any waiting lists uh, for, for space in real shelters, like where they will have beds and access to showers and food that's not expired? 
Yeah, and that's pretty much why so many of them are at these police stations, because they're in this 311 system that is similar to anyone in the city, um, regardless of citizenship. Um, if you need a shelter bed, you call 311, and that puts you in a waiting list. So a lot of these folks are basically at these police stations just waiting for a shelter bed. Um, I think one of the things that I'm hearing is why it's so complicated is because a lot of these folks are family units, yeah. not just single individuals. That's right. Mm-hmm. And we know that the city is really strapped for shelter beds. So that's why um, one of the families I had spoken to at that point, they had been there for five days. Um, there had been another family that had been there with them who had, after eight days, they got frustrated and decided to head to New York City. Mm. Yeah, City Hall source said uh, hospitals, hotels, and short-term rentals, they've all declined to take in uh, asylum seekers because they view the crisis as a public health matter. And so that's, that's, of course, I think leaving city officials in in a very tough spot. It is, and it's also relying on the, the generosity of volunteers. I mean, you've got people from the south side all the way to the north side. I, I talked to some people with a group called Nuevos Vecinos, Jen Torres and Lucy Kral. They're actually helping people at a little church on Devon Avenue. There, there, there's actually a free store there where they're providing clothing, shoes, um, all kind of things for these migrants and they're doing it alone. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're paying for it. Um, so the city is relying on these volunteers to try to live up to that welcoming city status. And, that and when you say they're doing it alone, about. you mean like with, with little support, with little support. to fund it. Yeah, because right, we know that exactly. there are lots of, you know, thankfully, lots of uh, other local groups that are doing right. similar work. That's right. Trying to do whatever's in their, their power to, to help. Exactly. So that we understand, when migrants arrive here in Chicago, Mike, what information are they given to help with their asylum cases? To help with their asylum cases, from my understanding, as soon as they get in, they're 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 told to call this three one one number. They get uh, they get put on a waiting list for the shelter. Somehow they make it to these police stations. Sometimes by foot, and somehow already I think at the border because even the the couple that I was talking to, they had a uh, scheduled hearing already for their uh, asylum hearing, and they were worried about missing that. Mm. Exactly how they know this uh, on the border. I'm sure they're provided somehow. You have to meet here there, but. These people also don't have transportation. They don't have access to venture cards. So they're actually walking miles just to get to the, where the hearing's at. And um, they have cell phones, some of them, some of them don't. So just navigating mm. where the courts are downtown Chicago in proximity. Some of these people are walking 5, 10, 15, 20 more miles. Court systems obviously aren't easy to figure out. No. You know, even for us, right? right? Exactly. Uh, anything else you're hearing, Elvia, in regards to that? Like what migrants know about their asylum cases and, and what they need to do? Next steps? I don't think they're super well informed. And I think for anyone, um, navigating the U.S. immigration system is incredibly difficult. Um, we do know that there are organizations throughout Chicago that are um, at the very first step trying to do a know your rights, sort of what is your right as an immigrant here in the U.S. Okay. Um, there are some um, pro bono attorneys who are helping them sort of navigate it. But I think the difficulty is that um, hiring an attorney, an attorney is expensive. And also some of these organizations already have wait lists of people who um, need their help in mm-hmm. filling out asylum cases or other type of immigration cases. So 
And we know that there is a backlog in immigration court, and some of these asylum cases can take years to resolve. Oh, absolutely. Do we know how much the city has dedicated uh, to supporting migrants so far, as far as resources, housing? I believe the city itself, from the meeting last week, I believe it was uh, $30 million. But they're also seeking some monies from FEMA and from the state. Every time they're requesting these monies, though, they get millions of dollars less than what they're asking for. I do know there's a, a from um, a, a bill that's happening uh, through the uh, federal government in Congress that uh, hopefully some of these groups will get totally reimbursed by FEMA. But that's just right now in a bill right now. Mm-hmm. So, and this, the money that they're trying to allocate only goes through the end of uh, June. So it's everything that's going to be oh, wow. from January to June that they're trying to cover this. We're talking about millions of dollars. And that, that's only through June. And at some point, they're going to have to reallocate some money. So, and they're going to have to try to Absolutely. find some money. Especially yeah. if we're going to get more uh, busloads of people arriving in the city. I believe the city is also trying to uh, implement a, a real estate transfer tax to help pay for all this. So the city council has been debating and looking at different ways in which to fund this. Yeah. Uh, what are you looking at moving forward, Elvia? Because I mean, I know you've been on the program quite a few times. You've been covering this since the beginning, really. Uh, what's next in your view? So I think the question um, which... I probably have spoken about is just housing and the shelter. There's still this question about where exactly they'll be housed. Um, earlier this week, I talked to some South Shore residents who were pretty upset um, because they're just learning this afternoon, actually, about a plan to convert a shuttered school there into a possibly um, place for um immigrants to temporarily be housed. And we know that the city is looking at other um, spaces. Last week, the city council committee hearing um, had a pretty lengthy hearing in which some of the alder persons mentioned that there were going to be some tough choices that needed to be made to identify places where um, the migrants that we might be getting that are even larger than the current population, um, where will they be housed? And of course, I think we're I'm personally still thinking about the folks who have been here since September and August and how they're doing. And if they are able to get any sort of stability in in Chicago. We'll leave it there. Elvia Malagon is the Chicago Sun-Times reporter covering social justice, immigration and income inequality. And Michael Puente is a WBEZ reporter who covers northwest Indiana, Chicago's southeast side and south suburbs. Thank you both. Thank Thank you. This episode of Reset was produced by Brenda Ruiz, and it was edited by Meha Ahmed and Stephanie Kim. Stay in the loop on everything happening in Chicago and around the country by subscribing to our podcast. We share episodes every morning and afternoon, Monday through Friday, with a bonus episode on Saturdays. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow.